Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling. And today with me, I have our therapist, Lindsay Stefan, and she's going to join me today as we have a new radio program called Wellspring Live. This is real people asking real questions, and that means that we have a participant from our community who's calling into our radio show to ask a real question of our therapist today, of Lindsay and myself. So if you'd ever like to participate in one of these shows, just please contact me through our website, wellspringmiami.org, or by email, tova at wellspringmiami.org. All right, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Morning. All right. So today we have our first caller on the line, and I understand it is Allie. Allie, are you there with us? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for participating on our Wellspring Live radio show, Real People Asking Real Questions. So Tell us today what question is you'd like to ask of Lindsay and of myself. Sure. I have two little girls. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And my four-year-old has special needs. She has autism. And Mm. a lot of our life revolves around her. A lot of our activities, a lot of what we do revolves around her. And um, I'm just starting to see a pattern where my two-year-old is either kind of pushed to a side or doesn't get the attention she deserves her being such a great, smart, well-adjusted two-year-old. And mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of trying to find a balance on how I manage both and how I give her that special attention that she needs while still providing for my oldest needs. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for your great intentions as a parent to do a good job and to make to take note of your youngest child and making sure that both of your kids are well-attended. I think it's a really common thing that when we have someone with special needs, it could be an illness, it could be, as you said, a special needs child, that we neglect sometimes those around us, including husbands or other children or other people in the family. And so kudos to you, first of all, for the fact that you're already thinking about this when they're only two and four years old. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I wanted to say um, it's tough to have a special needs child. So I'm just impressed, again, that you're working at this hard and and want to acknowledge that that's a hard thing to have as a special needs child. The world's not so forgiving. Uh, Schooling is much more challenging. Life at home is much more challenging. So you really, it's like having four children in your house, right? (laughs) Right. So how do you, with those other three children, how do you take care of the one, the two-year-old, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So tell us, what have you tried so far? What What have you tried so far to make that work? To be honest, I'm a little bit at a loss. I'm a a single mom, and my Mm. time is limited, and I wish I could just take her out by by herself to spend some time, her and I, but that's that's not really very feasible for us right now. I'm just trying to find ways to give her that special attention or special time at home with my oldest around, too, and just kind of incorporating them both. Will your oldest child tolerate being alone at all, like in another room with a book? Will, can can she tolerate that? Not really. <laughs> so really, when she's present, she does demand all the attention. Yes. 
Okay, because I think you've got really two things to work on there. One is just getting your older child to be able to tolerate it, even if it's two minutes at a time. You know, start really small where you have things where you say, okay, um, older child, you know, I know you haven't given the name yet, so we'll just call her older child. So, okay, older <laughs> child, if you sit right here, I'm going to spend time with the younger child. And so beginning to kind of create an expectation that that will happen, that you're going to hold the line on it, even if, like right now, She's talking, we're going to take, you're going to have to wait. Just those little teeny waiting things. It does something for your older child to learn that she's got to begin to tolerate that. But it would, even if it gets broken up, your younger child is going to know that you tried. And so that's a a start. Um, I have a few other ideas, but Lindsay, you want to chime in here? Yeah, I'm wondering, again, not knowing much of the background, but even making it into a game. So not necessarily tricking her, but giving her an activity to do and you know, maybe giving her a set of blocks, just for example, and hey, can you build this house and kind of give her a task, something to do and see if she can even for a couple minutes, it might occupy her attention and see if you can seize those couple minutes and slowly over time, maybe build or hey, can you help mommy with this? Can you give her her play vacuum or whatever, something she might actually want to do? And so she doesn't realize the purpose is so you can spend some time with your other little one. But maybe for her, it can even be a game. It could be something that she's not opposed to. How do those things sound so far? Have you already tried those? Yeah, you might have tried them. No, but no, it sounds good. I mean, I just, I guess to me, I think of quality time as, you know, this big chunk of time. But maybe it has to be two minute increments of quality time at this point. I think at this age, and given the fact that you're a single mom, you probably really need to, to look at that. But what you're doing is you're setting a precedent of this is an expectation in the family everyone gets attended to. I have a little saying, everyone counts not more and not less than everyone else. And so you really want to teach that principle early that it will be shared and everyone gets attended to. And so your younger daughter is going to begin to feel that. And then as they age, you can do things that are bigger. You can literally hire a babysitter for your older child and have that extra time with your younger one. Where even sometimes I think take them out of school, you know, for a day. If she's doing, if your younger one is doing well in school, take her in late for an hour at some point in the future. Where you know when they're a little older, and you take her to breakfast. My husband used to do that with our kids. He would take them to breakfast in the morning before school. I was always shocked because they never wanted to get up in the morning ever. But they would get up for morning <laughs> breakfast with dad. And so I oh. think you know when you have a special event with them, and you're like, I'm going to take you shopping. I'm going to take you to breakfast. I'm going to come have lunch with you at school. So you might even as they age and have school opportunities, be able to come do something at school with your younger daughter that is unique to her. And um, so I think really having those intentional times where she knows mommy's really busy, but I count too. And so your intentionality is probably more important than the quantity. Mm. I wonder too, just along that vein of things being a bit more equal, you know, as far as time, but maybe even just with choice. So I know maybe you're Uh, I think the youngest is two, you said. She might not be quite as verbal yet, or maybe she is, I'm not sure, but... Oh, um, she is. She is, okay. So maybe letting her, when you guys sit down, the three of you at night, to read a book or play a game, just making sure, you know, whatever her name is, you know, what do you want to read tonight? So kind of having more of... um, A say. Yeah, having more of a say, even though she's the younger one. I think that's a theme I see with some of my kids is, you know, my older siblings, they just kind of got to run the show and make the choices. So just being mindful of her in those little moments, I think that will do a lot for her to feel valued. 
You know what I love, just as a side note here, Lindsay talked about her kids. She doesn't have any of her own children yet, but she, when she says her kids, she means all the kids she does therapy yeah, with. Yeah, sorry, I didn't think of that. <laughs> no, I just love it because they are it. your kids. You, yeah. you do love them like that, and she has lots of like kids. It. I do. <laughs> I'm like the old woman in the shoe, but <laughs> but they don't live with me, so that's helpful right now. <laughs> but, but back to you, Allie. What else would you like, or as we... As we talk about this, is there anything else that we could be more specific with that might be helpful for you? Oh, I guess something that I think about because my little one is just so in tune is I sometimes wonder if I need to highlight the fact that that my older one has special needs or just kind of downplay it and let the little one figure that out on her own. I just kind of wonder sometimes how to handle the dynamic of, Mm -hmm. listen, sometimes you don't get that much attention because... Your Mm -hmm. sister requires more or just kind of letting her figure that out with time. I absolutely believe you need to be proactive on that. So, I mean, she's pretty little now. She's not going to understand special needs. But I had special needs children. I've worked with others with special needs. And I believe it's your job to, to frame for your children, both of them, the fact that this is a fact in your family. And so you need to come up with some words for what, is really true. So what's the truth? The truth is my older child is special. God made her differently. And my, I might not even use the word special. I would use the word different, that God makes all of us different. And so you can talk over time, you know, in those teachable moments, you can talk to, about, to both your children about the gifts that God gave your older child and the gifts that God gave your younger child and the fact that they come at life differently and they learn differently and they relate differently and that God is the designer of those differences. And he has reasons for that. And so I think over time, it'll come up over and over in your life with both your kids where you're going to need to put words to that reality. I would never soft play it. I would never make it less or different than it really is. So that means things like over the years, acknowledging to your younger daughter that this is a trial in her life, that God has given her a sister who's created differently and that it's going to cost her something. Again, these are all different conversations, but it's going to cost her something to have this sister, but that God gave her that sister for reasons. And that over time she can go to God and say, why did you give me this sister? How do I learn to love differently? Cause she's my sister. How do I learn to share differently because of this? Mm-hmm. How do I learn to be more sensitive to the world around me? Because this is who I'm placed in the family with. And so you can begin to have some private conversations with your younger daughter about this reality in her life. It's like having a child who breaks their leg and you're going to sit down and say, so, okay, this is true. So now what are we going to do about this? And what can God be doing through this and because of this? And, and we've had some of that in some of our family system where we've had challenging siblings that have cost a lot to the kids who were not as challenging. And so learning that they, they learn. God can make them sensitive. God can make them kind through this. God can teach them patience um, that that they are called to this experience that they're going to grow up with that other people don't grow up with. And and helping your younger daughter learn not to resent that, but that that's, that's her calling in life. I also think that it's important that we, with special needs, those who have the special needs, that we not baby them because it's harder for them in life. And so instead, it's like, yes, you're called to this harder life than some people have, or it appears that other kids don't have this harder life. But if you can help them realize you have a harder life, but you still have the same expectations, the world, just because you have autism doesn't mean that the world 
that you don't have to work someday or that you don't have to contribute, that you don't still have to love others, that you don't have to, you know, still worship God in the way you can. And that's true for your younger sibling, too, that that, yes, you have this hardship, but the world is not going to make life easier for you. And God still expects you to be the best with what you've been given, whatever talents you've been given. You've got one instead of 10 or you feel like you have one instead of 10 and to realize that that you still have to do that. My older daughter had some special learning needs growing up, and and I just said, well, she would cry, you know, I have to study three times as hard as everybody else for the same test, and I'd say, yes, you do. As And I'd say, so you had to work in your schedule three times as much effort. And so it was like, instead of woe is you, you have to work three times as hard as anyone else to memorize for the exam, it was like, okay, you better start preparing because it's going to take you three times as long as everybody else, but you still have to take the same exam. And I guess that's the principle I'm talking about. It's like, you still got to live life, and so it's going to be harder for you in some ways, easier in other ways, but you just have to live your life, and it's different than other people's. Does that help or make sense? It makes so much sense, yes. It helps a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and I think you, Allie, you're the one to frame for your children the world God's given them. And so put words to it, put scripture to it, you know. I really can attest to just from my work with clients. So whether they're kids, teens, or adults, I think this same issue when it comes up in the counseling room, I think a lot of times the siblings of, you know, a sibling with special needs, what they wanted was for their parents to acknowledge the unique struggle they had. So it's not even so much, you know, sometimes there would be tantrums in the mall or things that could be kind of embarrassing for them growing up, but they wanted just to be acknowledged that, hey, because, you know, your brother or sister has these unique struggles, it impacts your life. So I think it's so simple, but you don't necessarily, you don't have to shelter or protect your younger siblings so much from that, but just acknowledging what is reality. So I love what Tova was saying about, just let's call it what it is and then let's work with it. I love that. And set, just be very transparent. It's about, you know, age appropriate as she's able to understand. But I think that's so helpful. You know, I think over over time, let's talk about what can go wrong. So some of the pitfalls of it are feeling us, the adults, feeling sorry for the one with special needs, feeling sorry for pity in a not a good way. For the one without. So you want to acknowledge it without making it woe is you. So you don't want to be making up for anything in any of their lives, like giving more gifts to the one who has to put up with this or giving more gifts to the one with the special needs. You know, that that's that pitfall where the truth is it's us as the adults because we feel bad for people instead of us accepting God gave this to them and he's going to go do good things in their mm-hmm. lives through this hardship. And if we see it that way, we will present that way and we won't fall into those pitfalls of trying to make up time or trying to make up, you know, that kind of thing, you know, uh, a pity thing where somehow we as adults have to make up for where God messed up in their lives. That's really what we're saying. Mm -hmm. God messed up. And so we're going to make up for that by giving more or giving less or whatever. I think another common pitfall is with the siblings is asking them to be bigger and stronger than they really are capable of. So we say, well, at least you're not handicapped. So be nice to your sister. You know, you're the, you're the one that's easiest to work with. So you go the extra mile all the time because you can, and we can rely on those healthy kids to always behave and always be mature, maybe more mature than they are. And so that, I think that's another pitfall where we just rely on them because they're the easy kids. So, you know, make that, you make it happen. And I honestly, I, 
I think that's a personal thing for me because I'm the youngest yeah. kid in my family, and I think mm-hmm. I was—they they say <laughs> I was the easy child, and um, I did. And so I think they kind of mm-hmm. counted on that—that that yeah. you're easy, so we don't have to take care of your needs because, yeah, ever because you're—you can take—you can handle it. And it's an unspoken expectation that you be perfect, you be low maintenance, because we have a lot going on over here. And that's not fair. You don't get to be a kid as well. That's actually one of the reasons why I had these questions, because we had a situation at home where the oldest was having a tantrum, and I just caught the little one out of the corner of my eye. And she had tears streaming down her face, but she was trying to hide the fact that she was crying, and she's so little. And already mm. I felt like she felt that there was no room for her to be upset. And and that's where I just want to be able to navigate that really well for her and let her know you can be upset and it's okay for you to cry too. And if you want a tantrum, I guess go ahead and tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is so wise of you, Allie. Yes. It just speaks of your great parenting and, and insight already because that is actually true. We, we cannot ask that of people all the time. And I'll tell you how it'll work too over time. Your kids know what their parents can handle. And so if parents are at their edge with a special child, and it could just be an acting out child, the other siblings will all behave for a while because they they don't want their parents to go over the edge because they need their parents to stay stable. So they will help their parents stay stable by being the good kid. Now, what will happen is as soon as the challenging child has a little lull of peace, the other siblings will begin to act out. And so you're like, the parents will feel crazy. Like, man, just when we got a little peace for this one child, the other ones are, are acting crazy. And actually, you should just anticipate that as a parent because it's like they finally have permission to be mm-hmm. the kid who gets the attention and the kid who, who can, can kind of not have to hold it all together. So you'll have to watch out for that, Allie, as your kid's doing. And just expect it. Just know that as soon as you have the slightest lull that you're going to get something else on the other end and you'll just be more exhausted. <laughs> I can attest to that. I always see the quote unquote problem child and then the perfect angel sibling comes maybe two months after and I start with them once they get in trouble for the first time. And yeah, so that is it's definitely a pattern. It's funny. We balance each other in a family system. We compensate for each other. And yeah. And, and, you know, you don't want to always have a competition for for mom and dad's attention by being the acting out one. But we do have to give room for that, that not being perfect kids and yet, um, you know, not making it the, the only way you get parents' attention is because is by acting out. You have to really work at making her you attend when they're being good so that you get more of that. Well, listen, we're coming up on a break, Allie. It's been great to have you with us. So if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Do you wish you could ask a Christian therapist about an issue that relates to you? Now you can ask Tova from Wellspring Counseling for free advice on Wellspring On The Air. Contact On The Air at wellspringmiami.org for more information or visit their website, wellspringmiami.org. Well, Allie, we're coming to the close of our time here. We just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show and asking your real questions. And, And I hope we've been helpful. We will follow up with you personally after this call and just see how this went for you and just thank you so much for calling today and we pray God's blessings on you and your two lovely girls. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
And so we're just going to wrap up the show we just had with our really brave caller, Allie, who called and spoke about having two little girls. The oldest has special needs on autism and her youngest two-year-old. She's figuring out how do I make sure she gets attention. I was so impressed, Lindsay. Weren't we both impressed yes. with Allie? Yes. You can just tell she's such a mindful mother. Like she's already seeing. They're only, I think she said two and four. And you're mm-hmm. already seeing how she's noticing how the older child's behavior is affecting the younger. So that mindfulness right there, that enables her to take action and not let unhealthy patterns develop. We could give her no advice and she would figure it out because she's (laughs) she's just a mom doing that. And so it's great to see that, isn't it? Yep. Well, it is a real challenge to have a special needs child. And I actually have had two of them (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I adopted when they were six and eight years old and so raised them and so it was really challenging so I I related to this story and I we then had a natural child when our older kids were then 14 and 16 years old Mm -hmm. we had a natural child so when they were teenagers and in their late teens when they were very challenging teenagers that's the best way I can put it I had this baby in my house a little one and Mm -hmm. I we had that same dilemma because my big kids were so absorbing with all all of their things happening as teenagers and teenagers with issues that were going on. And then I had this little one who just would just kind of be stuck on the side and figuring it out. And and uh, so I, I wrestled with that with them. And I think some of the lessons I shared with Allie were, were along those lines, lessons that I learned. One was that we do need to attend to those, the kids that are, when they're being good, the easy kids mm. in our families, because they count too. Yeah. I love that. Even how you said as age appropriate as they're older, just talking about it. It's true. Sometimes like you've talked about it, just this child with special needs, they can just capitalize the dynamic of the family. But yeah, noticing that those other children, they need to be kids too. They don't need to be little adults or become caretakers at the age of five, seven, 12. And I see that a lot in the office. So it sounds like you were mindful of that. And I think I hear Allie already being mindful of that. So that's an awesome an awesome thing. She reminded me of another lesson I learned with my own kids, and that is that we as parents have to have the responsibility of creating the worldview for our children of them with their special needs. And even the sibling who doesn't have a special need has a special need, which is they're being raised in a family with a different kind of family with its special challenges. And so we as adults need to frame the world for those kids that they are not victims of Mm -hmm. a bad thing. It's not, I'm a victim because I'm a special need, or I'm a victim because I have a sibling with a special need of any kind. But this is what God gave me in my family and in my life. And so how am I going to become better and wiser and stronger because of it? How can I learn to be resilient? How can I be kinder to the world and more sympathetic because I've experienced this? How can I be strong and overcome these challenges that other people don't have to overcome? It's the parent's job to help their kids come at it that way because when we coddle them you poor you you have to live with this we ruin them we they see themselves as victim and we we really ruin them if you go through life with a chip on your shoulder woe is me i had to do this nobody else had to go through this we feel like we're entitled and you know bad things have happened to us and instead we want to make our kids confident and 
wiser and stronger because of this challenge. Yeah, I love that. And it's just realistic because autism, anything, I mean, we all grow up with different propensities for difficult things or, yeah, we all have our struggles. So I think just noting that the whole world is operating in that same way. And of course, autism and other things are specifically more challenging, but anything can be overcome or worked through with the right support and help. So yeah, just enabling them to be empowered going into their teen years and adulthood that this doesn't have to hold you back. Yeah, you're going to have challenges, but you can do what you set out to do. I think that's amazing. I think it gives lots of opportunities for the parents to just build that confidence in those kids. Like, wow, look what you overcame. Like, you know, you had to work three times as hard as anybody else for that test and you did it and so we can and same thing for the the healthy siblings that you know it's like I'm so impressed with how you manage this and how I appreciate how good you've been in order to make life easier for me but you don't always have to be the perfect good child and yeah but look how strong you are because you're able to do that and so just constantly commenting how they are overcomers of a personal challenge is actually building confident proud, strong kids. That's how we do it. Yeah. Even I know sometimes with little kids, some of my parents, they'll talk to them like you have this superpower, you know, and different (laughs) things you can make it really age appropriate and kid friendly and teaching them. Yeah. Turning their challenges into things that, you know, not all kids see things the way you do or experience things the way you do and just making it even, yeah, again, a strength, not something that is debilitating them. You know, I think we should talk about the parents, too, a little bit, Yes, because this is a hard thing brought into their lives, and it's exhausting. It Mm -hmm. can be really, really exhausting. You could hear it with Allie. She's a single mom with these two kids, and she's working hard at it. It's hard to have a two- and a four-year-old, period, Yeah, uh, with a spouse and with no special (laughs) needs. I know. My grandkids are are three and one, (laughs) so I get it. You know, it's just, it's hard. So I just, kudos to those parents, but I think for them to have a worldview, too, that, that encompasses God's allowed this. God can strengthen me. I can do it. To see themselves as overcomers. You know, the fact they made it through a day is an amazing thing. Yeah. The fact that Allie called us for this show. And she called us from work, I believe. She did. (laughs) She made time for that. And you bet she had a hard morning. And yet here she was making that call. And so... uh, Kudos to Allie. She's an overcomer already. And so many of these parents are absolutely overcomers because they are, they're struggling through hard days and and hard nights and day in and day out. There aren't very many breaks with children with autism and Um, I know it feels like there's not a spare moment in the day, but I'm a really big believer in support groups. So mm -hmm. even for parents of autistic children, I think there's so many benefits to that. But the biggest is just to be normalized. And for the kids, too, I have, you know, teens will refer to groups where they can relate with peers who have the same unique struggles and unique giftings that they do. And I think that can be very powerful. So, yeah, as we wrap up, I think we want to comment that, you know, we're available to help siblings. We're available to help parents counseling with this and just walking through life with some of these families that have such difficult challenges Mm -hmm. and so we're happy to be there we wellspring and uh, we just want to be a support to people in our community like that so as we come to closing up I want to comment on a couple things if you would like to be a participant in our wellspring live real person asking real questions and you want to be a participant like Allie on the show please email me at tova at wellspringmiami.org and it's been great to have Allie on today. And Lindsay, you've been a great asset to us. So it's time to wrap up. This is Tova Krefs with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. 
Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.